Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, January 21st. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 12, the last paragraph on the page, beginning the real significance. Today's readers are... Edith on the 12 Steps, Santa on the 12 Traditions, and reading from the text, Larry, Marjorie, Du, and Paula. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, January 20th, is 5795. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry this message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Edith to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Edith, a recovering compulsive overeater in Alabama. The 12 steps. One, We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so were into them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Edith. I will now ask Santa to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. Santa from New Jersey, recovered, compulsive, overeater. These are the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, 
Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional. But our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, or other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principle before personalities pass. Thank you, Santa. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the direction for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share in what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topics. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we will begin our study of the big book on page 12, um, the last paragraph beginning, The Real Significance of My Experience. I will ask Larry to begin reading. Good morning. Thanks so much for your service. This is Larry, recovered uh, compulsive reader from Chicago. The real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me. For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself, and so it had been ever since. How blind I had been. And so, you know, what we see here is, um, I mean, to me, you know, Bill, you know, continues to, um, to struggle a little bit with understanding just how this, this notion of God can work in his life. And, you know, he's thinking back to his experience, it seems, at the cathedral, you know, at the start of his story. Um, and, and, you know, um, like Bill, for me, for a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. And, um, you know, and he says, there had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. You know, I, I found, uh, perhaps like Bill, that when I, whenever in my life I've taken a step however small, towards this notion of a higher power that I call God, it's amazing how God, you know, um, that door has opened up to me a bit. And, uh, it, and it feels like he came, as Bill mentioned. You know, and, and conversely, though, but soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. 
and uh, and that's what I found as well. Mostly when I would take a step towards God, you know, and this is even prior before coming into the program for me, um, it was out of uh, um, need, want, you know, mostly uh, my my want. I can remember a time when, you know, when uh, when when I take the Took a took a step towards God, you know. I really my life was uh, was was really unmanageable, and, and you know, and the food, of course, was just one manifestation of the unmanageability of my life. But you know, but I I I think at the time it was just uh, you know the worldly clamors. Um, God did come to me, and it felt great, and really you know my life uh, seemed to be on the right track. And like Bill, you know, I can think you know, back that, you know, those worldly clamors got in the way. What were they for me? You know, for me, economic insecurity, you know, the food, absolutely, that was a huge part of it. Addiction was a huge part of it. Relationships, all the all the people that had done done me wrong, you know, and, and, and sort of the victimization that I found myself in. But when I read this, so you know, he's he's really coming to believe in a power greater than himself. It seems to me he's working through this process, and uh, he's recognizing that you know the presence of God can be blotted out by worldly clamors. God is always there. See, I I know that today. God never left. You know, God was always there for me, but the worldly clamors did blot blot out, and and then and then I had a notion that well maybe maybe this this sort of life isn't going to work for me. But what he says in the end there, how blind I had been. And now I know that, you know, that, that God, regardless of the calamity in my life or, the, you know, the difficulties, life will happen on life's terms. You know, my dad has Alzheimer's. It, it, that's a reality, you know, and, um, and it's sad to see, you know, those types of things. Worldly clamors get in the way. I've got work today. I've got, as you perhaps do as well, I've got challenges but they don't blot out God anymore. And um, but I had been blind to that, and um, and today I found a new way. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Lauren S. from Pittsburgh. Go ahead, Lauren. Thank you. Okay. All right, Lauren. Uh-uh. Lauren S. Pittsburgh. Pennsylvania recovered compulsive overeater. In this paragraph, Bill is at his second step. He is at his second step in the recovery, the recovery process. So he's using a lot of language: God, Him, He, His. And I was told to to circle every time on this page that Bill uses the concept of God. And also I just find a, I, I looked up a few words um in this, this paragraph. The the one is humble. Humble. And it means conscious of one's failings to destroy the appendance independence or will of and in the last line in this paragraph is how blind I had been. So Bill is now beginning to see his true humility, his true humility, conscious of one's failings. And I took a Latin class when I was in school quite a bit ago, and we had a phrase, that is, to err is human. Err, E-R-R, like, comes from error, error, error. And the, after there had been a humble willingness, willingness means wholeheartedness, undivided commitment or unreserved enthusiasm, unreserved enthusiasm, wholeheartedness. It's it's this is almost the second surrender to Bill. The first surrender in his step one is I am sick of carrying the world on my shoulders. And this second surrender for step two is 
I want this higher power to carry it for me. And lastly, he says, but soon, soon after, soon after um, worldly noises crowded his mind, worldly noises crowded crowded his mind. And this man that I, uh, one of my spiritual giants I like to listen to, he he's recovered and he he likes to say willingness is an action is an action it's an action so even though bill senses this this true humility this true humility it's soon blotted out by his his noisy obsession so um willingness is an action it's an action step okay thank you i'll pass thank you lauren who else would like to share Sarah. This is Paula. May I share? Okay, I heard Sarah first and then Paula. Go ahead, Sarah. Sarah, sorry. Good morning. Good morning. This is Sarah, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, thank you for your service, Kathy. Um, I was I'm really enjoying reading Bill's story, um, and I wanted to tie it into page 55. Um, it says in the second paragraph, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or others it is there. For faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. And I know we we aren't there yet, but the agnostic, we agnostic chapter is so, um, you know, apropos or so important uh, to step two, and that's where Bill is. He is in the middle of, of step two, and... Um, I think I think there was a lot of fear. You know, I know I felt fear in 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 the idea that I I would not control any longer, that I would believe that there would be something greater than me that was there for me. Um and, you know, I said it yesterday and I, I have to say it again. I think so much of uh the fact of why so many people that I've worked with or that have worked with me have had struggles with this step is because things did not go my way in life. So how could there be a power greater than me? Why didn't God work? And if I look at the greater picture, you know, it's those areas that I've struggled in my life that have given me the greatest gift of offering to somebody else. Um, the idea that I know their pain. Um, so I, I, you know, I guess, I guess for me, it's, it's really about letting go, letting go of the idea that, that I can control. And I have to get to that point where I realize that I've been beaten down so much that I'm incapable of fixing the things that I think I can fix, whether it be people, places, and things. And when I do my steps, that's where um, that's where I'm powerless, not just of food, but, you know, the unmanageabilities, which is people, places, and things. And uh, I'm so grateful for that today because it, it takes a lot off my shoulders. And, uh, and we are in a, a, a beautiful part of the, of the book. And um, it says how blind I had been. Uh, you know, I think of, I have a patient that's blind, and I think about how, uh, you know, that helplessness of, of being incapable of seeing. And it's like the, the awakening is when I open my eyes and I can see. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Paula, go ahead, please. And thank you, Kathy. And thank you for your service. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, the line starts, the real significance See, he didn't understand what came together there. 
of my experience. I've had experiences, and I didn't understand the depth and the weight of them. Today, as I look back, I do, but look at what happened here. In the cathedral, burst upon me. Now, this is many years before. And now it comes to him, as was said, as as first speaker said, and he clearly said it was in the first page. What's there? That's the beginning of the story, but look at what begins here. His desire for liquor increases. Oh, the good time. Oh, the bad time. Oh, the lonely time. And then he said, I visited Winchester Cathedral, much moved. What moved him in Winchester Cathedral? Here is what it said. For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. Is that what moved him? There had been a humble willingness. Look what came together to have him with me. This is what moved him. And he came But, you know, we go to the first page, and what happens here? Much moved, yes. I wandered. I wandered outside. He would not look inside any longer. And then he said, clearly, his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. Remember, he was at wartime here. So there was a war inside and outside going on here. And so it had been ever since how blind I had been. And as was said, when you're blind, you cannot see. William James used a line about this disease, and he says, it binds you and it blinds you. And here we see that. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on this? This is Sharon Colorado. Okay, Leah. I heard Karen in Colorado and Leah, and was there anybody else? Mara in Chicago. I'm sorry, I didn't get your name. Mara, A-R-A. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, Sharon, go ahead. Thank you, Kathy, and thank you for your service, and thank you to everyone out on the line that's listening today. Um, I love this paragraph. Um, For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. But soon that sense of his presence had been blotted out by the worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. And so it had been ever since how blind I had been. And I can just identify in with this so uh, clearly when I go clear back to the beginning of my first uh, introduction into these 12-step rooms, I had no idea how blind I was, and I had no idea how the worldly clamors that um, my life, without understanding it or seeing it for what it was, was totally uh, a self-centered lifestyle and a fear-driven kind of life. I sort of made myself my own little mini-God. I believed in God, but I felt it was all up to me to make my life work. And I felt such a sense of the inability to do that. And um, so this this just continued to, you know, fuel, fuel the addictive personality within me. And I am just so grateful today because I have been given that gift of now striving to live a God-centered life. And I, for so long, would not um, would not uh, just be um, willing to see the truth when it came to this disease. I had been given the gift of sobriety. I had been given other gifts through the process of these 12 steps. But for some reason, um, which I don't need to know why, but I just did not get it when it came to this um addiction with food. And so I am just so grateful that um, listening to this meeting and hearing for the first time in many, many, many years the doctor's opinion, and I don't think I ever heard it uh, like it was laid out on this line, line by line, paragraph by paragraph. But that, um, that was what God used to shine his light right into this um, fear-driven mind of mine to see the truth for what it was 
and then to be willing to do exactly what this book states we must do in order to be recovered and stay recovered. And so I'm so grateful. And, um, you know, I still have those worldly clamors, but they do not run my life today. They do not rule my life today. Neither does food rule my life today. I was that like he said a few pages back, you know, alcohol is my master, and if alcohol or food is my master, I am its slave. And I am not that today by God's grace and mercy. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much, Kathy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Grateful to be here. Um. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came, but soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself, and so it had been ever since how blind I had been. Um, You know, obviously this is written in hindsight, you know, Bill's reflecting on the fact that... um, you know, those worldly clamors, you know, perhaps his uh, unbridled quest for fame and fortune uh, was an obstacle to his relationship with God. And, um, you know, thank God for this program of recovery. You know, my book teaches me that each one of us, you know, can tap into that uh, unsuspected inner resource that, you know, deep down within each of us, of us, you know, there's this fundamental idea of God, and uh, my book also has taught me that uh, we simply do not stop drinking, or for me, compulsively overeating, so long as I place dependence upon other people or other um, things, you know, worshiping other things ahead of dependence on God. So, you know, I am grateful. I think when I read about this. Um, I'm grateful for the inventory process that's available in these steps, particularly step four through nine. You know, my life is going to be based on, um, you know, whatever I direct my life towards, that's what's going to run my life. When I directed my life towards uh compulsively overeating, you know, my addiction ran my life. When I... Uh, directed my life towards dependency on relationships, that ran my life. When it was directed towards money, that ran my life. When it was directed towards educational achievement, that ran my life. Um, You know, I'm grateful for that inventory process that allowed me to kind of, uh, you know, plumb the depths of my disturbances and those um, impediments to my relationship with God and to peel away, to break down those barriers, you know, to, to uh, unmask, you know, that's what the whole four-step inventory process does is allow me to enter that interior space of mine and take a look. Where have I been dependent on uh, people, places, things, circumstances, situations for security, for my well-being? Take a look at those blocks. Take a look at my brokenness. Take a look at uh, those dark nooks and crannies. See where uh, those core belief systems that had developed mostly when I was a young child, and um, because I had those core belief systems, it continued to deteriorate and alter my personality for the worse. You know, it it blocked me off. It blocked me off, certainly from a relationship with God. It blocked me off from a relationship with other people. It gave my personality and my emotions some twists that were not serving me well. I mean, I certainly was uh, self-destructing under the guise of, of seeking ease and comfort in my addiction. How blind I had been. Yes, it was very, very dark place to be a very, very dark place to be. So I'm grateful for the inventory process that allows me to take a look and examine, sometimes for the first time, these core belief systems um, and these worldly clamors, confusion and commotion 
uh, that blocked me off from God kept me in a very, very dark place. And to see what is preventing me from an effective relationship with God. What is it deep down inside of me uh, that is blocking this power that is within me? You know, so I'm, I'm grateful. I think about um, that process, you know, allowing me to embrace those broken places and transform me. And then, of course, that previous paragraph said, a new world came into view. And that's exactly what happens as I went through that inventory process and as those dependencies, that basic flaw had been my faulty dependence on people, on places, on things going a particular way, eventually dependence on, on substances. And when I failed to get those things according to my wishes and my demands and my specifications, of course that led to a lot of conflict with everybody and everything. It was self-will run riot. You know, this process of the steps allowed uh, those barriers come down to be torn away, not always a comfortable process. It is like soul surgery. So that eventually my my dependence can be and my and my security and my reliance can be on a higher power and then a new world comes into view. Then I will have a proper proper perspective on life because I will be looking at my life and at my relationships and at my ups and downs of daily living through the prism of, of a higher power and not a prism of self. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much. Thank you, Leah. Mara, you'll read our la- be our last share on this paragraph. Go ahead. Hi, good morning. Thank you. I'm Mara. I'm a Mexican compulsive overeater. And I, I just thank you, everybody, for sharing, and thanks for the privilege of sharing. I um, That first part in the paragraph when it said there had been a humble willingness, when that was read this morning, for the, I was suddenly remembered as a child when I was at the place of my faith, I would just quietly pray to God for um, a family member who was sick to get well. And it was just such a simple prayer because I knew I couldn't make this person well. The thought didn't cross my mind. So I just turned to God. And then all the noise that came between then and now, and even I can do that so easily, even with like my recovery, you know, well, do, do I eat like so-and-so eats? Is my abstinence like so-and-so's abstinence? I can simplify every. I can take anything that's simple and my disease can complicate it. And I guess most importantly, I need to see this as it said in the previous paragraph, when we want him enough. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Mara. Okay, let's move on to the next paragraph. And Marjorie, would you read it to us, please? Good morning. This is Marjorie, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Did you want me to read that just that brief one-sentence paragraph or two paragraphs? Yeah, because oh, it's an important one. Yes. You said just the one? Yeah. Okay. At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise, for I showed signs of delirium tremens. One of the things that happened for me and one of the things that didn't happen for me when I went to my very first OA meeting, which happened to have been 38 years ago today, One of the things that happened for me was my recovery began because that's where people began to share their experience, strength, and hope with me. However, I was not separated from the food. It didn't matter that I was attending lots and lots of meetings for those first few years. I was not separated from the food. I experimented with different food plans. That was a start. That was analogous to Bill's going in and out of drying out places and then going back to the alcohol. And I did that for nine years. And it wasn't until people finally got through to me with, you need to completely have the food in place, meaning not going back to the food at all. 
I knew that I needed continuous abstinence, not intermittent abstinence. And I knew that the way that had worked for me to have any continuous abstinence was to have a disciplined way of eating. And so for me, treatment was a period of nine years. I guess I can refer to it in different ways as I was in and out of the food or I was abstinent, not abstinent, or I was in relapse. It doesn't matter what I call it. But I needed to be completely separated from my compulsive overeating quantities, types of food, behaviors. I need to be completely separated from those in order for the rest of this process to work. And I'm I'm just full of gratitude that that did finally happen. Thanks for listening to me, and I pass. Thank you, Marjorie. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Kim. Hi, Kim. Go ahead. This is Good morning, Kathy. Uh, my name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And I'm glad we just decided to read this one little paragraph because if we don't get this, the next paragraphs don't even matter. You know, they're saying that yes, at the hospital I was separated from alcohol. I was separated from alcohol. I was separated from alcohol. It's so essential that we must understand that we have to put the food down first. You know, we spent eight pages learning about the progression of the illness. We had four pages understanding that we need to seek that power. If we are powerless, we need to seek the power. And we need to be sober. We need to be abstinent in order to have the clarity of mind to seek that power. You know, I'm often, you know, talking to someone on the, on the uh, phone who's been around for years and years. And they said, well, I've done the steps. I've done the steps dozens of times. And I asked the question, well, have you done abstinence? And it's silence. Mostly, sort of, kind of. And I have great news. I have great news for you on the line. That is your answer as well. The steps don't work when you're drunk. So it's not that the steps don't work. You haven't done the steps abstinence. That is awesome, awesome news. Because for years I thought the steps didn't work because I did them while I was still eating. And I would get angry at the steps. And it's saying here clearly he was separated from alcohol. In the, in the doctor's opinion, there's four different times. It tells us it's imperative that we put down our substance. Of course someone has to be separated from alcohol following the elimination of alcohol, following his physical recovery, meaning he put the food down. This is good news. Because for many of us, we have spent years in the fellowship trying to work these steps while still indulging in the food. And then that's not following the directions. You know, I think to myself, if I go to Ikea and I buy a bookshelf and I bring it home in a box, this is what I do because I'm so arrogant and I'm so impatient, is I put the directions on the ground and go, ah, it looks kind of complicated. It looks pretty simple. And I disregard the directions, and I try to put this bookshelf together. It seems a little shaky. There's a lot of extra screws, and there's a lot of extra other things, and I didn't seem to have enough of something else. And then a week later, I try to put a book on the bookshelf, and the bookshelf falls. And I call Ikea, telling them, telling them the bookshelf's broken. I have a defective bookshelf. If the bookshelf wasn't defective, I didn't follow the clear-cut directions. If I don't follow the clear-cut directions, I'm not going to have a bookshelf. Or it might even look like a bookshelf, but it's not going to have the depth and weight I need in order to do its job, which is to have books on it. It's the same thing with the 12 steps. If we want the depth and weight of these promises, we're going to have to follow the directions, specifically how it's laid out in the big book. And the most important direction, that first direction, is we have to be separated from our binge foods. We have to be separated from our binge food. I was at an LA event this weekend, and World Service has a three-year plan, a three-year plan of emphasis at the world level. 2014 is about the importance of abstinence. 2015 
is about the importance of doing all 12 steps. And 2016 is the importance of carrying this message to the still-suffering compulsive overeater. I'm so grateful for that message because that's what the big book tells me. First, I have to put down the food. Second, I have to complete the steps. And third, I can carry this message. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share in this paragraph? Is this Do? Go ahead, Do. <clears throat> Good morning. This is Duke. Also. This is Rachel from Jerusalem. When you can put me on, I'll be glad to share. Okay, Raquel, after do, you can take your turn. Go ahead, do. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I love this also. It says at the hospital I was separated from alcohol for the last time. And just reviewing a little bit about what Bill's going through right here. He's, first of all, he's, the two first steps, first uh, step one and step two, are conclusion steps. And he's concluded that he's powerless. He's he's powerless over alcohol. You know, alcohol had become his master. And he's he's reviewing over his his life, you know, and concluding that he is powerless. He needs something else. You know, and so um unless unless we're completely powerless where we know we can't control <laughs> our binge foods or alcohol, just like Bill was concluding for himself that he needed and wanted something to help him because he felt the powerlessness of his addiction until he got to that place that he knew he needed something outside of himself, that self-will, uh, his intellect, his fear, his his way of doing things was not working, you know, then he needed to pick up the solution. He needed to pick up something that was going to help him, and that would be a higher power greater than himself. And then on top of that, he realized that not only did he need a higher power, but he needed to take an action. (laughs) He had to put down the alcohol. And, you know, and it says in the doctor's opinion, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached as he has a better chance of understanding and accepting what he has to offer. And Bill kind of like understood this, you know, that his way wasn't working anymore, that he needed an outside source, that he needed help, that he needed to, to, um, to submit and surrender to something greater than himself. And he didn't probably understand all of it, but he was willing, he was willing to submit, and he was willing to concede that, that he had to do this because his way was not the way that was working for him, you know, and so he was willing to try something new. He didn't totally understand it, he didn't totally get it, but he was willing to do it. And so we see as the story develops that, that he went through that treatment, you know, because the disease was physically, mentally, tearing him down. <laughs> it says here, it says, treatment seemed wise for I show signs of delivering tremors. He was having tremors. They, they, they were tearing him up. He was, he was having the physical obliteration of his body. You know, that was the, the physical signs of his, his disease, you know, what was going on internally. And so finally he was willing to surrender and take out the rest of the steps. And that's what we need to do. We need to first admit our powerlessness, that we need an outside source, and then cut down our binge foods so that we can go through the rest of the program. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Du. Raquel, your turn. Press star one to unmute, Raquel. Are you there, Raquel? Okay, I'm going to take a turn. This is Kathy Kay, uh, recovery. Hello, can you hear me now? Okay, Raquel, go ahead. Okay. Well, this speaks to me very strongly about having to be separated from the from from the drug. And it takes what it takes, you know. And for Bill, it was a hospital stay. 
for me, it took five years. Now, December 12th is my anniversary of five years of not eating on anybody else's table but mine and at home. Not on holidays, not on weddings, not on any, any of these things. It takes what it takes. I'm so grateful. I don't even understand how God did this miracle for me that I suddenly became that willing to really see my friends. Anybody wanted to come over to me, they ate my food. And, and my food became better and better all the time. All it is is vegetables, fruit, and fish. And I, I, I really found ways of making it so good and so wonderful and serve it up so beautiful that anybody who comes to me is guaranteed a good meal. But these five years, I haven't gone anywhere. And I'm not that I'm recommending it to anyone and not, God forbid, boasting with it. But that's what it took. That's what I had to do. Because the last time that I went for the Seder to my sister, on the way back, walking back to my house, I found on a fence a box of matzah. There there are people who just use it for the Seder, and then they don't, you know, they, 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 they put it out. You know, there are lots of people who don't keep it through the whole holiday, even here in Israel. So I found these bags. I think there were about eight master boards in it, and I ate them all on my way. I didn't eat at her house. I can be a perfect lady at somebody else's house. But on the way home, being so frustrated, I hate the whole box. And then I realized that for me it's impossible. I just cannot see other people's food parade. And I don't know if God will give it back to me, the ability to do what it says, really, after the promises that you can go anywhere on God's earth and nothing will tempt you. I haven't gotten there yet. But because I haven't gotten there yet, doesn't mean that I shouldn't do what keeps me safe now. And I agreed to it. And I'm very, very grateful. And I really love you all. And I love what we are doing here. And the vision for you. And God bless every one of you. I pass. Thank you, Raquel. This is Kathy Kay. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I just wanted to um, comment uh, on the fact that Bill is uh, saying this. I was separated from alcohol for the last time, looking back. Um, because so many times over the last... Um, 20 years that I've been in program, I thought that I had been separated for the last time. Um, But in fact, a year or two into my abstinence, um, I would uh, break my abstinence. And it wasn't really until I started working the steps as they're laid out in the big book um, that I was able to continue to be abstinent in recovery. Um, And so for me, the two are very strongly linked. Yes, I had to be separated from my binge foods um, in order to meaningfully work the steps, but I also needed to meaningfully work the steps in order to stay abstinent. Um, And I know today that... uh, if I become lackadaisical about steps 10, 11, and 12, um, I I become vulnerable again. Um, so I'm just so grateful. Uh, we know the order of things. We know we have to become abstinent and separated from the food, and then we need to uh, really diligently work the steps. And with that, I pass. Okay, um, do would you read the next paragraph for us? Good morning. Are you there? Uh, Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can. Go ahead. Okay, good morning. This is Do, a recover compulsive overeater. It says, Dare I humbly offer myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. 
I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction. I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing, that without him I was lost. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away, root and branch. I have not had a drink since. Wow, this is awesome. You know, um, we see here that um, Bill is taking his third step, you know, for the first time. And, you know, this is very different from from his attitude that he had. Um, If you go back to page 10, it says when he talked about a God personal to me who was love, superhuman, strength, and direction, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. And we see that, you know, (laughs) that he's concluded, you know, that his way is not working and he has to submit himself to this loving direction, um, which is God's good orderly direction. And, you know, and I love what it says here, um, that he humbly offered himself to God, um, that he submitted himself to God. And it says, as I didn't understood him. So that shows me that initially when you take the third step, it's just the beginning. You know, it's the beginning of a new beginning, <laughs> You know, because that higher power is going to develop over time, and you're going to understand the higher power in a different way as time passes. But at this point in time, he's saying that he's he's submitting himself willingly and humbly to God. And he says, I place myself unreservedly under his care and direction. In other words, he's he's placing himself without any restrictions, without any agendas. You know, he's just... He's just submitting himself under God's direction, whatever God's will is, versus the self-will that that Bill had, you know, because it was about all about Bill, what he thought, what he was going to do, you know, and now he's saying, you know, I can't do this by myself, so I'm going to submit to something greater than I am, and I'm going to see what direction that higher power has for me. And so he's submitting himself to God's will. And I say, I admit it for the first time that of myself, I was nothing, that without him, I was lost. And that's great true humility, you know, for Bill to really say, you know what, I don't have this, I don't got this, and I'm just going to let something else work in my life and see how that goes. And, you know, and then he not only stopped there, he not only made the decision, but he embarked on the program of recovery. He embarked on the action and the action steps, because then he says, I ruthlessly face my sins, which is step four. You know, uh, did a facing fearless and moral inventory of himself. Um, and then he became willing to have a newfound friend take them away, root and branch, which is step six and seven. Becoming willing and then praying for God to take all of him, good and bad, and mold him into the person that, he wants, that God wants him to be. And that's true humility. And, and look at the results. Look at the results. Because when you take this, these action steps, when you embark on this program of recovery, there should be results. There should be an outcome. And it says, I have not had a drink since. That's the results of working the steps. If you're not getting those results, then probably you should ask yourself, am I working these steps properly? And with that, I pass. Thank you, Du. Who would like to share on this paragraph? My name is Najia. Hello. Possible overheater. Okay, Najia. And who else did I hear? Hi, good morning. It's Sippy. Okay, Sippy, you'll be after Najia. Go ahead, Najia. Thank you so much for your service and to everyone that's out there. I love this paragraph. It It, it almost brings me <laughs> to tears. Um, I, you know, Bill was all about I and alcohol, and in this paragraph, it's starting and showing I and God, I and God, his care, nothing about the alcohol, nothing about money, property, and prestige, I and God. And, you know, I, I am so moved by this because I look back on the previous pages, and, and this is just for me, God allowed Bill to um, be, be
beaten down, you know, the, uh, what is it, the um, 12 and 12 uh, for AA, the uh, step book. And it says in that last paragraph, you know, that we were at the mercy of a merciless obsession, and I believe that's grace. At least for me, I believe being at the mercy of a merciless obsession, that was God's grace because I needed to be there in order to come to God, to surrender, to humble myself and say, yes, Lord, I need you. No, God, I cannot do this alone. And I believe that God allowed Bill to come to that place, to be at the mercy of the merciless obsession so that when he finally came to this place of surrender and we see where he began to look back and go, oh, wow, the cathedral, oh, wow, that, 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 that feeling I had, that slow by slow, slow by slow, God was bringing him to God, just like God brought me to the place of surrender. I had to be humble. I was so arrogant and so self-righteous with, you know, I can handle this disease. I've got this. And God said, I'll show you. And I'm so grateful that he brought me to the place where I humbly offered myself to him. I had no place else to go except to God. The disease is very, very powerful. The disease is extremely powerful, baffling, and cunning. But God and this program is powerful. Greater is this program than the disease. Greater is the power of God than this disease. And Again, I'm just so very moved that um, I was brought to the same place as, as Bill. I have to place my, myself unreservedly. That's a very powerful word, unreservedly. I know. I have the scars. I have the memory. Thank you, God, for memory. I have the memory of what this disease has done for me. And by the grace of God, I'm going to let someone else share. I just want to close with, I have not had, I've been abstinent by the grace of God for, it'll be 14 years in May. I have not been under the mercy of that merciless obsession. Thank you, God, for your grace and mercy that allowed me to be at the mercy of this merciless obsession. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Naja. Uh, Sippy, can you make it short? We're at the end of our time. Please go ahead. Okay. Hi. Good morning. A vision for you. This is Sippy, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Montreal. Um, so that word also spoke to me unreservedly. For me, it was a process in understanding, and only when I really worked the steps was I able to place my whole self under his care and direction. I always had God in my life, but I didn't realize that I had a part-time job playing God, and then I would numb things in my life by turning into my drug of choice, which was food. And I have to do this every day. Every day, I love saying the step three prayer, relieve me of the bondage of myself that I may better do thy will, um, because that's what this disease is. It's a bondage, and the only way we reach the serenity prayer, the serenity and the freedom, like it says in the, that, like we pray for in the serenity prayer, is when we don't have the bondage of self, and that the only way to do that is by attaching myself completely god is everything and everything is god and by working this the steps and trusting the process and then i recoil as if from a hot flame i don't want to go near that food because nothing tastes as good as recovery and for that i'm very grateful and i pass and have a wonderful day bye thank you sippy thank you to everyone who has shared today um, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Paula, would you please read a vision for you? Gladly and happily, this would be Paula, compulsive obiator recovered. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. 
But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.